Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. Ryan Day still doesn't want to talk about injuries. You got to ask straight up about, let's just, let me get my handy list out here. Ameka Buka, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Chip Trainum, Denzel Burke. Am I missing anybody? Is that, is that, that's the list? That's the, 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 the living list of injuries. He didn't want to talk about we'll find out any Saturday one of morning. them. Right. Well, we didn't. Yeah. As of right now, that's the list. He didn't want to go down that road with guys. Let's focus on what he did talk about. We don't know, Nathan, if Chip Trainer, Mayan Williams, and Travion Henderson are going to be available on Saturday. We don't know if they're practicing this week. We don't know how healthy or not healthy they are. But we knew that, do know that as of right now, as of we are recording this, Dallin Hayden is healthy and ready to play football for Ohio State. But the question is, Ryan Day said last week that the plan is to redshirt Dallin Hayden. Per the rules, you get four games that you can play before you have to redshirt. You can't play any more than four. Dallin has played two games. He played like three snaps against Indiana, and then he had a real role against Penn State. The way Ryan Day was answering a bunch of different questions about Dallin Hayden on Tuesday, one, what was his impression of the way Dallin Hayden ran the ball? And two, is and should the plan still be to redshirt Dallin Hayden? I don't see the merits of the redshirt situation at this point. At one point it did. I didn't push back on it immediately when I heard it last week, only because in a fully healthy room, somebody has to be number four if the way Chip Trainum was running the ball was good enough, Mine Williams last year went healthy, ran the ball well, it made sense to say, well, Dallin Hayden is the fourth guy there. And if he's going to be the fourth guy there, then why not protect the year of eligibility? And we have to remember that, as we have said, and I have said and written, that it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to be thinking about him as a five-year player. Nobody was thinking about Evan Pryor as a five-year player when he came in either. But things go wrong sometimes. I'm not trying to speak that into existence for anyone. I'm not trying to to jinx Dallin Hayden. I'm just saying it is something to keep in the back of your mind that if you lose a year that is out of your control later, sometimes if you have the opportunity to control a year, then you should do it. You don't know. You don't know how things are going to go. But as it relates to Ohio State's specific plan for 2023, I think we've seen enough from him, not just in this game against Purdue, 
which is not a good run defense. And but also what we saw last year that he runs the ball productively every time, right? Like pretty much every time. Um, I don't know how great he was when he ran against Georgia, but that was also a better defense than what you're usually going to see in a lot of these Big Ten weeks. And it's also a situation where that was their game plan was really to throw the ball first in that game, as we've talked about before. So I think, as I said earlier when we were talking, like I come out of today still like very curious why the redshirt thing is really even a discussion because I think you need to just start saying to yourself, the next time they start playing, and at the very least, the next time they start playing and everybody's healthy, but Mayan Williams and Chip Trainum and Trevin Henderson are not consistently getting push. For instance, let's say like they did against Maryland, where most of their carries and the majority of their carries in that game were three or fewer yards from just from the running backs. Then I think why not give Dallin Hayden a try and see if he can do something that those others aren't. And if he does, then just leave him in the game. I think this is less complicated than what they are making it. On one hand, I, I, I do think there is a complication just because when everybody's healthy, but now we have other data. And now that there's other data, the data would suggest that it's time to see if Dallin Hayden, regardless of little problems that he might have in his game that other people don't, if it's a matter of handing the ball off to him and you absolutely have to hand the ball off and stay ahead of the sticks, he might be the best guy to do that right now. Andrew, here's what Ryan Day said about Dallin Hayden. And I want you to uncoach speak it. The best thing Dallin does is when the ball is in his hands. There's certainly more to to it than that, but we're happy with what how he played on Saturday. When you hear a coach say, the best thing Dallin does is when the ball is in his hands. There's certainly more to it than that. What is your read on what he is saying there? He said another time, too, when the ball was in his hands, he did some really good things. So, like, this isn't something that he just brought up one time. Like, he repeatedly mentioned this. So, uncoached speaking, it, I think it's pretty clear that they like what he can do as a runner. They like what he can do in terms of, you know, we've talked about, you know, how he sees holes and how he cuts and how he runs the ball and, and they like what they can do. And, you know, that's, that's a positive. And, and I think that that's, a, that's what a lot of people see, but, uh, you know, reading between the lines there, it's pretty clear that there are other areas of his game that they're not super happy with. At least, you know, that's the way that I read that, whether that's pass protection, whether that's the receiving game, whether that's just simple knowing where to be, knowing where to line up, things like that. Like there are other aspects of his game that don't include running the ball because when, when you're running the ball, you can, you know, it's fairly fair. I mean, fairly simple being relative, but there are other things you have to do as running back. You have to pick up blitzes. You have to pick up protections. Sometimes you have to go out for passing routes. Like I know this offense doesn't really use a lot of that, but you have to do various things. And when he said, that with the ball in his hands, when you add that caveat twice, to me, that just screamed, there are other issues that we have with him. And, you know, they can like what he did on Saturday and you can feel good about what he did on Saturday, but also not feel comfortable with putting him in a true number one role right now. Because if you don't feel comfortable with him as a pass blocker, why, you, why would you put him in the game if he's not ready for that? You know, why would you put him in the game if you can't trust him to do certain things? So to me, it very much seemed like 
great runner, other issues to work through. And, and that was kind of the way that I read that. Nathan, I, know I, that- I took that as the play. I mean, we talked about it on the Monday pod, the play where angry Ryan day play, where it's very clear part of the problem when he was yelling at Tony Alford was about pass protection and maybe Dallin hated not being in the right spot. I hear that quote, and I all I'm hearing from Ryan Day is Dallin Hayden is very good at everything but pass protection, and that is a very vital thing in this offense for your running back to be able to pass pro. I mean, he does bring up taking care of the ball too a lot with him, and but he I but, asked him he I asked not, him that right, and you yeah, did I, I, straight yeah. out ask him. I mean, he hasn't. Here's the only thing that matters to me, like. It's one of those things where, like, okay, I understand. Like, if he's coughing the ball up in practice it, and and you, 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 you're you hesitant to put him out there, I get it. It would be the same thing if a quarterback was throwing a lot of picks in practice, right? I mean, Devin Brown. When Devin Brown was turning the ball over in preseason camp, more often than we saw Tom Cord do it in the short times we watched, we thought that mattered. We thought that made a difference in who was going to maybe end up winning that job. But Dallin Hayden's had a lot of game reps in the last two years and hasn't turned the ball over. So I don't, I really don't think that's it. And if it really is all about this pass pro thing, I don't know. There just seems like there would be ways to mitigate that with as many times as they play two tight end formations. The fact that they can use Chip Trainum as a fullback, that they've got other options there, right? If he's going to be, that shouldn't be the only thing that keeps your most productive back off the field. If he is that, or, or the second most, maybe behind Trevion, right? And even then it was blatant against Purdue that moment. But I can't recall just off the top of my head. Now, obviously, they watch film every single day, so they would know better than I would. But I just I don't recall the moments where the pass bro when Dallin Aiden was so bad. You brought up the Georgia game. That's what he was doing for like 85% of the game was pass proing because that's what they did. They threw the ball around against Georgia, and I wouldn't blame any of those sacks on him. I think Georgia's this good. So they got to see Jay Stroud every so often, but I don't think he well, was necessarily the problem in those situations. The counter argument is it only takes one. And That's fair. <laughs> the first time you get your quarterback flattened. Um, That's I do true. think we've also seen reasons to believe that from a consistency standpoint, there is a difference between Tom McCord and Devin Brown as quarterbacks right now. So I think you want to keep yeah. Kevin, Tom McCord upright and healthy. I, I get it. But they're also not coming right out and saying it. They're really making us like read between the lines and connect the dots to get there. And I don't know that that really serves anybody. Like, Why would it be? Why is it I, – you don't want to tell your opponent things, I suppose. But if mm-hmm. your opponent is watching film and they're smart about it, then we are. So if it's, if it's, if, if, if it's showing up on film, then your opponent's going to see it anyway. It, it's become – I don't want to say tiring is not the word, but it's become this like dance of – there were like seven Dallin Hayden questions today. And they were all under the umbrella of why isn't this guy playing more? And – they did everything but give a direct – well, not they. Ryan Day has given done everything but given a direct answer. So I, I asked him flat out, like, is he fumbling in practice? Is that something we're not seeing? And he said, no, he, that's a, a box he can check off. He's got ball security. But if it's a – maybe I have to, we need to go rewatch some of these games and see how bad the pass pro was because it seems that's, that's all it is. If he's fourth in the hierarchy, so much, much of it seems like, okay, Travian ceiling, ceiling, I get that. I get why he's number one, 
But Mayan and Chip, if the thing that's separating those two from Dallin Hayden is pass protection, how bad is his pass protection that if he's got the clear best vision in the room and he's still fourth in a hierarchy for a running back room where the run game has struggled? You talked about Kyle McCord a little bit, Nathan. Nathan, you went first today, which was a that was a bit of a wrinkle because usually you know that doesn't happen, but you know things change sometimes. You were asking questions about Kyle McCord. Other people were asking questions about Kyle McCord because it is wanted warranted. He's going into his second big game as Ohio State starting quarterback. Is he ready? From the way Ryan Day was answering questions about McCord today, is he ready to face an opponent like Penn State, a top 10 opponent at home? Well, I, I think the conversation, as it has all season for him, is going to come back to, at the end of the day, it, it's more about Ohio State playing as a whole in ways that it isn't dumping this whole thing on Kyle McCord's shoulders. Like, don't expect Kyle McCord to, to be the hero, and don't expect him to rescue you from... A, from things going awry elsewhere. Don't expect him to have to overcome a run game that's stuck in the mud. Don't expect him to overcome pass protection that is breaking down consistently. Now, having said that, the way that I started the day asking Ryan Day was, it's not like there are chronic issues with taking care of the ball for Kyle, but there are enough little things here and there um, as he's facing pressure that, you know, I just asked like Ryan Day, like, how are you counseling him through the situation here? Because, you know, there was the play against, uh, I mean, he put the ball on the ground once against Purdue. He also had that intentional grounding play that was like kind of borderline, like, you know, you play, you know, get rid of it a half a second too early and now it's going against you and they probably are calling it a fumble or, or something. So like, you know, he says, you know, the most important thing is take care of the ball. And that's going to be the way this weekend because it's such a huge game. And you have to make good decisions and know when to cut your losses and have a plan for when it goes the way you expect it to, but have a plan when it goes sideways. And I think some of this is just all about Kyle McCord in this transition from someone who knows the offense and has been in this offense and can probably talk you through this offense better than anybody or as well as anybody, but then now also having to go out and then execute that and make those just those like microsecond decisions. It's not an easy job, but that's it's, it's what the job requires. And it's, it's still the transition that he's going through. And I think you're seeing some of it play out in real time. I do think as much as Purdue blitzed last week, which was a lot, I think Penn State's probably going to bring a lot of pressure too. I think Ohio State might bring a lot of pressure too. I think this might be a week where we see Knowles reverse that trend a little bit. Because like, why wouldn't you come after Drew Aller a little bit, especially if you if you're having success on first down and and making him have to prove it against pressure on later downs? But I definitely think Penn State's going to try that with, with Kyle Court, especially because there have been these these moments where. Because he's trying to make a play, I think that's what it comes down to. I don't think Ryan Day faults a quarterback for trying to make a play. I just think he expects them to know when discretion is the better part of valor and when to just eat it. And and even if you're taking a sack, taking a sack is recoverable. It, you know, even on third down, you get to punt it away and put your team in better position. Uh, taking a sack and putting the ball on the ground is is oftentimes not recoverable. The other team's going to take that, and now you're putting your defense in a tough position. And why give this? Why give this Penn State offense any more help? Because it has not shown itself to be explosive, has not necessarily proven against other opponents that it can drive against a defense as good as Ohio State's. So it's just something that I'm I'm keeping in mind this week. That like what does 
What has Kamakord learned from the first six weeks? What will he have in his mind after that Purdue experience to like just better handle? And it only com- comes up a few times a game. Just better handle those situations. Can you avoid giving Penn State help it doesn't deserve? Andrew, coaches typically don't like to do the comparison questions. They like to make everybody their own person. But Ryan Day did get asked, where is Kyle McCord in that trajectory in comparison to some of his past quarterbacks? Dwayne Haskins, he played Penn State really early in the season. He was 22 of 39 for 270 yards and three touchdowns, but he also had a pick. And it took a while for him to get going in that game because Penn State was sending a whole whole bunch of blitzes. Justin Fields also won, but he was 16 of 22, 188 yards, two touchdowns, plus 21 carries for 68 yards. But he fumbled. He had some ball security issues in that game, so he wasn't perfect either. C.J. Stroud in 2021, 22 of 34, 305 yards, just one touchdown. He had a couple weird throws in that game as well. Also wasn't perfect. None of those guys were perfect but they did enough to win the game. Ryan Day used the phrase right on pace when comparing him to the past quarterbacks. What is the expectation for Kyle McCord when you look at what past quarterbacks have been able to do when they played Quit Penn State the first time as first-year starting quarterbacks if Kyle McCord is, as Ryan Day put it, right on pace with where C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, and Dwayne Haskins were? Well, you know, to to talk generally and then – when, when you talk about Ryan Day's pressure today, there were a couple different things that just kind of made me think that like the theme of this week or one of the themes of this week is risk averse. Um, you know, I think you can kind of read into that with Dallin Hayden. Uh, you can obviously, he said it explicitly with Kyle McCord. You know, Nathan mentioned like that grounding fumble weird play that happened. You know, there was the play against Maryland where they had like an 18 yard loss because he was like 20 yards back and he flipped it to Chip Trainum. Like that's a play where really nothing good can happen. And I think you look at this, I, I think you look at this offense and and as weird as it is to say, like we were talking about after Purdue, this defense can win you games and this defense can really impact games. And I think they know that. So I think the expectation, obviously, the expectation is obviously to win, but I'm not sure if it's, you know, a statistical thing. I just think it's, you have to be able to do what your team expects of you and what your team needs from you. And what does Ohio State need from Kyle McCord on Saturday? Not to screw it up, right? Not to, you need to get the ball to your playmakers and you need to not make some of these errors where, you know, Ryan mentioned one time, like, you know, this is a game that could be swung by one play and you don't want to have that, that whatever 20 yard thing where he's running backwards and then flip it to chip train him. You don't want to have that bounce off of train hands and then into a Penn state defensive lineman's hands. And now all of a sudden the game's completely different. Like you don't want to have those moments. So the expectation I think isn't so much as he has to go out and 300 yards and two touchdowns. Like I know, like I understand that, you know, not everybody has done that. There have been kind of warts from some of these other guys when playing Penn state and big games like that. I understand that that's not the specific expectation, but the expectation is to win. And how do you do that? Right. How do you accomplish that? And I think with this offense and with this quarterback that you have right now, who is still in his first season starting, he just finished half they're, they're halfway through his first season starting. He hasn't even done it a full year yet. The expectation is to accomplish that feat by any means necessary. And to me, the way that Ryan talked about it today was you have to be very, very careful with mistakes and miscues in a game like this. If you have to eat it and take a sack instead of forcing a throw, that's fine. There were just kind of other things that he was kind of alluding to. 
I think that's frankly why, you know, you don't want to put Dallin Hayden out there to go back to that, because I don't know if you want to have a running back that maybe can't pass protect as well with an offensive line that's kind of been a problem. Like to me, I just got a lot of risk averse type of themes and and topics from Ryan Day. I, I kind of picked up on that throughout his entire press conference. So with Kyle, I you can be right on track and right on track could mean win the game. And how does Kyle McCord do that? By making the simple throws by getting the ball to his playmakers and by not shooting yourself in the foot. Because if you do that, that's how you lose in a game like this when it comes down to one play. And, you know, you look at the Notre Dame game, you know, you have the the great throw on, on third and 19, you have the, the fourth and seven conversion, you have all of these great plays and you're what, two inches away from common court throwing a, a, you know, game ending interception on that, on that final drive. Like you've got to avoid those type of plays because eventually those type of plays are going to hurt you. And I think that that's kind of what he's talking about. I'm trying to put myself in the mind of our listeners. When you say, I think the theme of this week was risk aversion. Cause I don't think that's probably going to hit their ears in yeah. a, <laughs> in a way that they enjoy. I think that that's this, fair. There's, I think, no, I'm not saying you're wrong and, or wrong to say it. I'm saying that I think that there was, like, this has been a topic about this team, about Ryan Day. Like, do they come into these situations too tight sometimes? And I hadn't really had my antenna up for that coming in today. Maybe I should have. But it does make me, it's a, it's a thing worth thinking about because the whole Ever since going into the Georgia game last year, it was all about, oh, we're going to approach these games a different way. We're going to be aggressive, and we're going to be confident, and we're going to take it to them. And I don't know that that was the vibe I got out of today. But but a lot of it was not questions necessarily about that, I suppose. Um, there were questions that were about, well, you know, hey, Common Core needs to take care of the ball, right? Well, he's, what's he going to say? He's not going to say, nope. He's supposed to come out and just chuck it, and whatever happens, happens. Like, he's obviously not going to say that. It's, it's, I don't know, just something I thought of as you were saying that. that it's, this has been a thing that we've been talking about as it relates to how Ohio State is going to operate in these talent-equated games. And I, I, was, I have definitely already been thinking and already been saying, I think I even said it here, like, you know, will they, will they come out and be more pass-first, more aggressive in a game like this? And, or will they, will they play it safe? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I thought coming out of today that I have a good read either way. Well, I, I will say right before the Notre Dame game, what, what was what did he say? We're going to cut it loose. We're going to let it rip whatever. It was something like that. And uh, I don't think anybody but he was would getting those that. questions. He yeah, was getting those questions. Fair, sure. And, and but I think he's like when you come out and say that and then I don't think that the Notre Dame game, they really let it loose or whatever True. the phrasing was. And then, so I mean, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe this is all just trying to, you know, throw smoke grenades at this whole situation. I don't know. I think it makes more sense to do it against Penn State than it did Notre Dame. Now that we're talking about it, because I mean, Marcus Freeman came out and said a lot of that same stuff too, and neither one of them let it rip. Sure. They're both conservative in their play call, but that was early in a season where. Really, for all intents and purposes, it was only the second game where Kyle McCourt was the full-time starting quarterback, where you weren't trying to fit Devin Brown onto the field as well. So that was early in the year. If you're coming off a Purdue game where you've built a little bit of momentum, 
Maybe you get a Mecca back. Maybe you don't. We'll have more information on that Wednesday evening when we're in the Woody. 614-350-3315. Sign up for the text. Two-week free trial. Listen, when as soon as we see a Mecca Buka, that's the first thing we're doing is texting it. As soon as we see Denzel Burke, that's the first thing we're doing is texting it. And the same with Travion Henderson, Chip, Chip Trainum, and Mayan Williams on down the line. Anything we see, we're going to text it first. But this is game seven, and Kyle McCord is comfortable out there now. You know a little bit more about this opponent because you play him on a year-to-year basis. And this you're playing one of the three best defenses in college football. I don't know if you can afford to not let it rip. Especially when, yes, Penn State's defense is awesome, but the offense you're still kind of wondering about. But and even with the defense, it's like Tony Gerben asked us today, how do you know a defense is good when they basically haven't played anybody? And that's the thing with Penn State's defense right now. So I do wonder if this game is setting up a better environment for Ryan Day to actually let it rip and not just talk about letting it rip, even if he didn't come into a Tuesday press conference and set the tone with that idea. I'm I'm open to that. Like I said, I've I have been kind of quietly wondering, but but you're right, we didn't see it that much against Notre Dame and or really at all. Um now maybe it's matchup dependent, I don't know, but they obviously respect Penn State's defense a lot for for good reason. And I think almost listen, what were the uh, what was the other circumstance that led them to playing that way against Georgia? It wasn't just, oh, we've got a full contingent of players and we can run whatever offense we want to the full extent, but we're just going to decide to throw it. No, they didn't have their top of their running back room for that game. They had Dallin Hayden, but they didn't have the guys that they prefer to play over Dallin Hayden. So if that replicates itself on Saturday, I think we have a blueprint of how they could attack a game like this. Uh, will they do it? Because there were, because as we've talked before, there were other. They were the underdog in that game. They kind of had nothing to lose in that game. They were playing with a second life, borrowed time, however you want to say it, in that game. That is not true on Saturday. This is still a, a wide-open thing. They are the favorite. They are, on paper, supposed to win this game and be the team that then has not lost a game when they go to play Michigan. So there is more pressure on them, in some ways, than there was in that Georgia game to win on Saturday. So does that affect the way he approaches this game? I think... All the things that we were all writing about this new attitude and how Ohio State has changed and how Ryan Day has changed, uh, that's, there's a pen in that very much. And I think this game could tell us something. This game could be in, in, uh, educational along those lines. The Dallin Hayden point is a valid one because they were down to Dallin Hayden and Xavier Johnson as the running back options. And by the second quarter of the Purdue game, they were down to Dallin Hayden and Xavier Johnson as their running back options. Yeah, I, I think if, if those top three guys aren't healthy, I, I would assume they, they might not have a choice but to quote unquote let it rip because they're not, they didn't give the ball to Dallin Hayden 25 times against Purdue. They gave it to him 11 times. And I think Xavier Johnson ran it five times. And if you go look at the Georgia game, I think Dallin got it nine times. And I think Xavier Johnson got it like six or seven. So, I do wonder how much the personnel dictated that aggressive Ryan Day we saw along with the fact that they're an underdog situation. I think that is a very valid point. One last thing Ryan Day touched on that I guess it's important because we're still talking about it and we're entering a game where it matters whether they use it or not. He did, Nathan, touch on the Devin Brown red zone thing. Is the way he talked about it on Tuesday, are you expecting that to be a part of what they do against Penn State? Um, I mean, it's clearly something they have in their back pocket. Do I expect them if it's a like I said, I'll say the same thing I said after the game on 
Saturday. I don't know that my opinion changed that much about it. I think they want it to be known that they will use that package. I think if it's uh, sunny skies, uh, if it's sunny and dry on Saturday, even if it's not sunny, I think if it's just dry, just dry, then I think Comic Core just plays the goal line series, right? I think this is more about, it's an option they have. I thought it was also interesting, though, that Ryan Day was asked about the other time the quarterbacks ran the ball on Saturday when Kyle McCord ran the ball and the success that he had doing that. There was like a kind of a tuck and run for like a nine yard gain. And then he kept it on the, the tush push, which uh, I really prefer brotherly shove to tush push. But that I think very much is specific to the Eagles, which they are apparently trademarking, which I think is beautiful. So there needs to be a a Buckeye version of that. You should put that I mean, out they, to the texters. They, name the name the Buckeye version of the tush push. And keep it clean. I don't know, man. They they it's call themselves the Brotherhood. It could work here, but if the Eagles are going to trade park it, then it doesn't work anymore. But they call themselves the Brotherhood. Yeah, but also I, I, a lot of teams talk about a Brotherhood. Like I, I, I think you got to go something <laughs> Buckeye or something the Columbus yeah. something. I don't know that you could come up. Do, we'll, we'll we'll brainstorm it. But you know, anyway, we're, we're getting straight from the point. Like they can be productive with Comacord doing things with his legs. It's not a last resort for him the way that it was often for C.J. Stroud, either in approach or demeanor or whatever. So I, I, that's where I think you might see them start to sprinkle in a few more things just to keep defenses a little bit more honest. Because if, you're, if you make them think that they can't let that safety or linebacker drift back quite as much, you know what that's doing for Marvin Harrison Jr.? or Mecca Buka or Cade Stover over the middle, it's it's potentially a jackpot. So do they try to like pry that in there a little bit more once or twice per game just to have it be the thing that you can hit a home run with late just that, that one time where you really need to hit it? I, that I could see. I think that's almost more likely than, than them taking Kamakord off the field against Penn State. I, I I'm with Nathan. I haven't really changed my mind about the um about the Devin Brown package. I thought what you know what Ryan Day said today was interesting. Where it, obviously the weather and we knew the weather played a part in that, but he also said that they wanted to flush out mistakes with that package and they wanted to flush out things that you know you know things that could go wrong. And I thought that that was a little bit interesting to me because that indicates to me, like you said, now we have this in our back pocket in almost an in case we need it type of way, like a break glass in case of emergency type situation where, you know, you get down to the red zone two or three times and you kick field goals each time. You know, I, I wonder if, you know, if that's the situation, like if, if it's nine, seven in the second quarter and Ohio state has just gotten inside the 23 times and it's at the end of the first half, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that just to try and get a new look. Um, yeah. I, I still would be very, very skeptical of using that. You know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of it in terms of, you know, a consistent thing. If you want to use that in certain situations where, you know, the weather's awful, all right. If you want to use that against uh, Michigan State, all right. I just, in a game like Penn State, I just, are we going to be, I just, I don't want to be in that position where we're sitting there at the end of a game saying, man, they ran this every time they got in the red zone and they only scored X amount of points. What are they doing putting their backup quarterback in the game? And I understand he gets he gives them a different element. I just I I, I still kind of lean 
keep your starter in the game unless it's just truly going haywire. So, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Nothing has really, nothing has really changed for me. Also, the uh, on the um, the quarterback sneak play, uh, you guys also omitted uh, the two cheek sneak. Uh, so I do think that that needs to be kind of thrown into the thrown into the mix as well. Needs to be thrown okay. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well. That seems like a perfect time to take a break after you say something like that. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we'll flip it. Because you talked with Jim Knowles today, who was equally as gracious with the information. Uh, well, maybe not gracious, but he gave us some information on some key players and on some key things that they might do against Penn State on Saturday at noon. So when we come back from the break, we'll get into that. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back on Buckeye Talk. The one person we haven't discussed in terms of Ohio State's beret of injuries is Denzel Burke. We don't know if he's playing or not either. And, but we will, as I said, sign up for the text 614-350-3315. We're back in the woody on Wednesday evening talking with players. If we spot Denzel Burke... We'll let you know, and we'll tell you what he looks like and what he's wearing and whether he's, you know, it looks like he practiced or not. We'll tell you all that information through the text first, 614-350-3315, two-week free trial, three ninety nine. after that. We don't know if he's playing, Nathan, but we do have an idea, at least, of if he isn't playing, how Jim Knowles and Ohio State's defense might line up when it comes to that cornerback situation. And the key guy of the day was Jermaine Matthews. Because they did throw him out there against Purdue. What does Jim Knowles like about Jermaine that as a true freshman, he's been put in a position where if something goes wrong, they'll put him out there in meaningful reps? Yeah, you know, uh, Andrew, we were making fun earlier in, uh, in this about how you said the theme of the day was um, 
risk averse. Really, the theme of the day was Moxie. At least that's, that was Jim Knowles' theme of the day. He just he used the word Moxie like nine times to describe Jermaine Matthews, mm-hmm. which I think is funny because I'm I don't know that that's a word that people of Jermaine Matthews' generation would use at all anymore. And I, I I asked Jim Knowles like when did they first get an indication? Because it's not just that they put him on the field last week when. Burt came out. That's still notable. He was put on the field ahead of some people who were older than him. Last year, they put uh, Jair Brown on the field as a true freshman when they were just out of cornerbacks, and he did a a good job. And so so just getting on the field isn't isn't necessarily the whole thing. Like, Matthews also had a pick six in a game a couple weeks ago in garbage time, I guess, in the the Western Kentucky game. He also uh, was their special teams player of the week this past week because he's like going down and smacking people around on special teams and I so I asked like well, when did you guys first get this indication and it was like maybe it was a thing that oh he really made a lot of progress in summer and he showed us something in preseason camp and made a move but he said no it's like basically since he got here he just had this vibe about him and I think what really gave them some confidence was we sometimes forget like we talk a lot about what it's like for the young receivers in this program to come into this program and have to like prove yourself in a room that's full of Marvin Anderson Jr. and Emeka Ibuka and Julian Fleming and a bunch of really talented guys who aren't really even getting on the field at this point. But for a young cornerback to come into this program and have to go toe-to-toe with those guys, it, it reps at various times. Because think about how much in preseason camp they split into those two sides. So now guys like Jermaine Matthews were probably getting exposed against Marvin Harrison Jr., etc., more than they normally would have been because you're you're splitting things up. It's not just one versus ones as much. And uh, they the way Jim Knowles talked, like that made an impression on him. The way he approached those situations, not showing a lot of fear and being ready to go up and and handle his business against those guys made an impression. So this wouldn't be the first guy who, you know, made a favorable first impression in the winter, started doing some things on special teams in a big way, and then all of a sudden when they need him, that's the first guy who gets called on. And you saw it in smaller amounts with someone like Caden Curry last year, who was like making plays in games on special teams. And then we slowly saw him folded into some more still like rotation, like depth opportunities at defensive end. Cause they were pretty deep there, but still like you saw that lead to him getting on the field in a way it didn't for, let's say Kenyatta Jackson. Right. And now you're starting to see that, I think, with Matthews. That's what's sort of separating him in this cornerback room right now is just a guy that they trust to have the the wherewithal to go in and make plays. So they, they seem to – they want Denzel Burke on the field Saturday, obviously. But they seem open to uh, that if they have to turn to Jermaine Matthews, that they're still going to be in reliable hands. Not not nearly the level that you are with Burke. Like, you can't say that it's going to be, that uh, would be negated. That he is a guy that can handle himself out there. Andrew, I thought the more, the interesting thing about it was they put him on the boundary side, where I, I asked Jim Knowles this question of, like, what's required of someone who's playing boundary corner versus field corner in this defense, and he probably have to work Moxie again because, as Nathan said, that was the theme of the press conference. But just so you're – Moxie is just an old guy's way of saying a guy's a dog, which is what Jermaine Matthews has been – seriously, that's what – since I've been introduced to Jermaine Matthews a summer ago, that has been the theme with him is this kid showed up 
in the summer of 2022, Tim Walton had to convince him to come camp. He was in a, a three-star recruit who was kind of fed up with the recruiting process. He didn't have an offer from Ohio State and was like, these are my offers. I'm going to stick with them, take some official visits, and decide from there. And Tim Walton called him up, convinced him to come take a to come camp. He showed up at the camp, was a dog for the entire camp to the point that the Ohio State football players who were watching the camp were yelling at the coaches, offer this kid, offer this kid. And they followed directions and they offered the kid. And then he spent the next six months rising up the rankings to by the time he graduated, he was a top 50 recruit, top 60 recruit rated as a top player in Ohio. And now it's starting to play off this year where that dog is in line. If Denzel Burke can't play, I won't be shocked if they play him in that role where on that boundary side, they play a lot of press man. So you need a guy who is, a, who is pretty quality at that and, We've seen it in flashes. He's been targeted six times this year so far. He's only given up one t- catch, Andrew. If Ohio State has to lean on Jermaine Matthews as a starter, Nathan mentioned it earlier, Jair Brown stepped in as a starter against Wisconsin last year, and he played pretty quality. If Jermaine Matthews has to play on Saturday, how confident are you that – now, he's not Denzel Burke, but that he can it's still get the job done in a way that Ohio State doesn't have to worry about one side of the field when it, when it comes to its cornerbacks? Well, I mean, you're – yeah, I mean, you, I think you said it exactly right. I think you you can't feel the same. Like, if you <laughs> – I think if, if you feel that there's going to be no drop-off, then you either know something about Jermaine that, that we don't or – you're just overly optimistic and that's totally fine either way. Um, so that, the, you know, there's, there's going to be a drop off. You would have to say, I mean, I, I don't think there, I, I, I don't think you can feel, you know, great about it, but if you go into that, I think you feel okay about it because one of the things that Penn state doesn't do very well or just at all is, uh, take explosive plays and kind of capitalize on them. Um, you know, their explosive play rate is really down. You know, they are very much more a, in the line of a Notre Dame, which I guess it kind of works out well for Penn state, or if you excuse me, excuse me, for Ohio state that they're going to play a Notre Dame and a Penn state and a Michigan um, teams that don't really, you know, just air rated all over the field. You know, their three big games are, are, you know, sort of similar styles. And I think that that would that would give me some, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe some calm, you know, you, you feel a little bit better about it because if, if you're playing a team like Washington this week, you know, if you're playing a team that really wants to spread you out, then you're probably feeling pretty nervous, but Penn state is very methodical with how they do certain things. Um, you know, they run the ball down the field. They're, they're not going to try and take a ton of shots over the top. Now, maybe they could over, you know, on Saturday and I sound like an idiot, but you know, just historically throughout, I guess, historically through these last couple of games, you know, they don't really go over the top with Aller. So yeah, I, I think I feel okay about it in terms of kind of what Ohio state's defense can look like with him. Um, you know, if Jim Knowles is talking about that in a good way, you kind of feel okay about it as well. You know, we mentioned Jordan Hancock being a nice little addition for them and kind of moving him in and out. So you've got options there. You've got versatility there. I I think that when I, when I look at this, it's not, oh boy, here we go. And you're tugging at your shirt collar. You know, to me, this is, all right, let's see what he's got. And, and I don't think, I don't think you can, I think you would actively have to try to feel bad about this situation if you were looking at it. Nathan, another spot on this defense where I think there's this thing developing, and we've talked about it, this potential rotation 
at will linebacker with Cody Simon and Steel Chambers. And every time we talk to Jim Knowles, he talks about, I got to get Cody Simon on the field more. I got to get Cody Simon on the field more. He did that against Purdue. Cody Simon played 45 snaps in that game, and he played pretty well, continues to progress. Is that real now? Is there a legitimate – because he, he almost described those two the way we've been talking about where – Cody Simon shows up more in the run game because he does have that Mike linebacker background while Steel Chambers is has the, the higher ceiling athletically, which the terms we've been using is Cody Simon is better in the run game. Steel Chambers is probably the better guy in pass coverage. Are we seeing something similar to what we've already seen at safety develop where you see Sonny Styles as the starter playing those early downs and Jordan Hancock coming in on those third and long situations? Is that something that's clearly starting to develop? And do you feel like, based on the way Jim Knowles talked about it, something we'll see on Saturday against Penn State? Well, I definitely think we'll see them both play on Saturday against Penn State. Whether we see them in that sort of job share, I don't know yet. But there's two factors here. And one of them is whether they would play very much three linebacker stuff. Um, they did it against Notre Dame, which is how Simon was on the field for that big fourth down stop early in the game. Uh, I don't know if they think of Penn State in quite the same, like if if, if they equate Penn State to being the same kind of team. So may, maybe they would do that some, but I don't know if they'll do it a lot. I mean, uh, it, that remains to be seen. But, 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 but Noel's definitely said it's something that they have the option to do. If They, they also like Sonny Styles and what he gives him coming down in the box to sort of be a Sam linebacker at times. So maybe maybe that's a factor in how much Simon plays. But the other thing here is, you know, they they like what both of these guys are. It's just that I, the way he was describing him today, Sonny Style, or I'm sorry, Cody Simon is the one who is a little bit stouter against the run. Steel Chambers is the one that's a little bit more athletic against the pass. I don't know that though that they're ready to pull the trigger and call it a start Cody Simon and, and Steel Chambers subs in on third down, right? I don't know that they necessarily want those guys running back on and off the field quite that way. And you gotta remember too that this is a Penn State defense or Penn State offense that is um it's it's you know, their their two biggest threats are on the ground. It and so does that lead on itself to just a bigger what I'm kind of, I guess, open to is that this is just a bigger week for Cody Simon, period. That maybe you just, this is the week where you you don't have to use Steel Chambers as much in general. That if you are moving towards that identity where it is more of a split, this still might just be a matchup where you need Cody Simon on the field more than you would need Steel Chambers. And there are plenty of other matchups in the Big Ten where you would maybe rather have Steel Chambers on the field more than Cody Simon overall. So I guess that's what I'm getting at, that I don't know that I see them. We'll see. I I wouldn't be opposed to them doing something where they're swapping those guys in and out for each other. But it might just be a thing where you're you're playing the balance of one over the balance of the other, keeping them on the field for for series at a time or or whatever, but that this still is a game that leans Simon again because it might just be that, that that's where the bigger threat is and he can hold up against that threat a little bit better. I mean, he, the way that Knowles talks, the fact that he can play both positions, he can play Mike and Will, it makes him sort of a, a Will with those those more run-oriented tendencies. Whereas I don't think anybody looks at Steel Chambers as a like like he would fit at middle Mike linebacker as well. 
and that's because of the skill set that he has. So I think there's it, there's interesting teams on this schedule. Um, there already have been where, where Chambers is the better fit. I think that Simon might be the better fit for this matchup, just based on the way that he's playing right now. How much through linebacker are we expecting them to play? Because they really only pulled it out last year against Wisconsin, and they never really pulled it out against Penn State. But when you're talking about a team who is very run-oriented, I mean, they're last in explosive plays. That's the last. That's that's a true factor right there. They rely heavily on the run game. And you're talking about two guys. Nathan, he even brought it up. Well, it, you got it got asked. I think you asked the question about Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton and how those are the guys they rely on, even if necessarily it's the statistic statistically they haven't been up to par he said he doesn't look at the statistics he just looks at the overall production what else did he have to say about those two but then also are we expecting at all for a three linebacker look where all three of those guys cody simon mike uh tommy eichenberg and steel chambers are all on the field i don't know that they'll play a lot of three linebacker i think again that it's something that they'll have at their disposal it's just one of those things where as we've talked about so many times there you want to be unpredictable you don't want to be transparent in what you have with the field personnel wise. And that's where, you know, that's what I was saying before that when you're swapping those guys in and out now, maybe if it's, if it's third and long, then that's where it makes more sense. You want chambers on the field. I don't know. But as far as what he said about the running backs, cause I did bring it up. I mean, you look last year, Allen and Singleton combined for 1900 and some yards. They're averaging six yards a carry between the two of them, scoring 22 touchdowns, I think it was, on the ground. And this year, it's just been a lot more modest than that. When you go against, you break their numbers down against Power 5 teams, it's it's really kind of, I don't want to say pedestrian, but the numbers do, sort of. I mean, they're averaging like four yards a carry. It's nothing special. And I asked about that, and he said, like, no, nah, I don't care. <laughs> I, I Like, what I see on film says that these guys are a problem. So I... And and I think more to the point, if Penn State's going to beat you offensively somewhere right now, it's probably not the passing game. It's probably the running game. So I think you have to stop that first. It, you know, make stops early downs against this running game. Make Drew Aller beat you in the air on late downs in the passing game. And 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 then you know if you once you make stops early down, I mean, look at how the Purdue game changed early. I know we talked about this on Monday. You know, Purdue's gashing them out, but Mike Hall makes one stop. You suddenly take a, a quarterback like Hudson Card in a, in a, in a protection um, situation like what Purdue had and make him now have to operate second and eight, third and eight. So suddenly things start, some, they hit a wall. And I think Penn State's better than that, but it just shows you how you can, you can flip the script on a team by being stout on first down. They can't let these guys uh, dictate the flow of a game with how they're running the ball early downs. Andrew, I'll start with you with this next. I, I've been thinking about this because Jim knows I'd asked about Jack Sawyer. And we know Olu Fashanu is on the left tackle side where JT spends the bulk of his days now. Last year when JT had, you know, whatever that was last year, a lot of that came on the right side. That's the thing that's been underrated about that. He didn't do a lot of that against Olu Fashanu. He did a lot of that against their other right tackle. If he's de- busy dealing with Olu Fashanu for most of the day, one, what did Jim Holt Knowles have to say about Jack Sawyer today after coming off a game where he got his first sack and then he got another half sack that he shared with JT Twimelowow? But then also, should we be on the lookout for a potential Jack Sawyer breakout game given the history that we've seen with Ohio State defensive linemen against Penn State? 
Yeah, you know, well, the first thing that I mean, what he said was, you know, is basically to summarize it, you know, Jack has always been close. He's always been close to the quarterback. You know, he he mentioned that they have talked about, you know, the quarterbacks that they have played. There have been a lot of them that have gotten the ball out pretty quickly. Um, you know, so he he seemed pretty confident and and pretty, you know, he he seemed to be speaking pretty well of Jack Sawyer when he talked about it, just kind of in the way that look, he's right there, and and this is not a situation that seems to concern him a whole heck of a lot. So I think we could be on the verge of Jack Sawyer breakout game because, you know, just the situation could be. I think you could real. I think you could really have a nice little stat line of you know, a bunch of tackles, maybe a key sack or two, like just the situation that he's going to be placed in. Because again, this is not going to be a team that's going to drop back 60 times, right? You know, this is, this is going to be more of a Notre Dame, Michigan type of game where they're just going to try to run the ball. And I think that we could be in for that. I'm, what I am curious though, is what did we see against Notre Dame, right? They, they moved JT over for uh, you know every once in a while and they had him over Blake Fisher Notre Dame's right tackle on that last drive and that was where JT made the uh, the big tackle for loss which put Notre Dame behind the chains and then he made the game saving uh, pass breakup on uh, on the next play so I-, I wonder if we're in for a situation like that where we could see a little bit more rotation but if there's not or or if if Jack is predominantly lining up opposite Olu Fashanu yeah, I, I think we could absolutely be in for kind of a breakout game, if you will. Nathan, what do you think of that idea? That maybe this is just Jack's it's Jack's turn to have a moment as we're looking for defensive linemen who potentially might have a moment against Penn State the way we've seen in the past. I mean, I guess the chances are just as good as any with him. And it's they, they go up if it's Fashanu versus uh, JT Tumaloa, right? Like, if okay, it's kind of what Andrew's getting at. Like, if he's on the opposite side... Uh, I'd like, I guess, that matchup better for him. You know, it, it, the, the if you go by things like the PFF numbers, like they like what Sawyer has done. You know, we've we made a we've made a a, a, a concerted effort to try to appreciate JT Tuamaloa as an all around player and a run stopper and those other things, um, without just focusing on whether or not he's getting sacks. Although, by the way, he has three sacks the last two weeks, so that's kind of working too. But all those numbers that appreciate that, if you look at those like PFF grades, like I was alluding to, Sawyer's numbers are better. Sawyer's grades are better on PFF than Tum Lowhouse for the season. So it would it, it would indicate that he's doing his job too. It's just not always showing up in terms of those sexy numbers that people like with the, the those counting stats at the end of the day. And I think that this is a game where there it's poised again potentially for someone to have that breakout that it, it, cause it's just, it's annual. Like I did a piece for our site where that just goes back through the history and it's like every single year, somebody steps up and sometimes it's, it truly is sort of a coming out party like JT Tumalo out last year, like Chase Young in 2018, like Tommy Togiai in 2020. Uh, it's guys who either have not even really been on the radar or who are kind of announcing their arrival and that they've stepped up to a different level. And that would certainly fit into what you would say about Sawyer. I mean, he's been around for long enough and been a, a real player long enough that he's not a an unknown quantity, but the idea that he would step up and kind of 
push things into another uh, up to another level would 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 be in keeping of, with a game like this. So um, certainly something that I've just had my eye out all week. I mean, as as we head into this game, it's like who from this defensive line could and maybe it's somebody you know you know Mike Hall again is somebody who has been producing and has been. I don't want to say producing. The the presence has been there even if the statistical stuff hasn't. So is he on deck for a game where that like lines up and he he breaks through? Yeah, I the, Fashanu is really really good. I think there's some other guys on this offensive line who are good but who might not have the edge in a one-on-one matchup uh with what Ohio State is putting up front right now. Like, because this defensive line just is that good. That this might be an an area where Ohio State can swing this. As much as we've, with good reason, talked about the concept of this Ohio State offensive line having to get things together to be able to stand up to this Penn State defensive line. The opposite is is also true. Ohio State doesn't have Olufashanu on its offensive line, but that doesn't mean that those other four spots don't still leave some vulnerabilities. That an off that a defensive line this good could exploit. I don't think the other four guys on Penn State's offensive line are like head and shoulders better than Ohio State's left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. I know Olu Fushano is head and shoulders above Josh Simmons, but I don't know if that's the case with the other four in that equation. So I do agree with that. I think the thing with Jack Sawyer is he hasn't had his moment in the sun yet because Tyreek's kind of having it. You know, we Tim Knowles gets asked about Tyler Williams every single week, and he says the exact same thing every single week. I I did think it was funny because he got asked about <laughs> Tyler Williams having multiple pass break uh, breakups on Saturday. He's like, "That's just him." I, I wish I had the play called to do that pass breakup play, but he's kind of having his moment right now. Mike Hall had his moments last year, and teams know who he is, and he just kind of does what he does. And JT Tuimaloa was coming into his own. It just seems like. This game is kind of setting up for Jack Sawyer to have an opportunity to do something. And the question is, can he take advantage of it? We'll be back at the Woody, as I keep saying, on Wednesday evening. There's no lightning round on Thursday. It got moved to Wednesday this week. So we'll talk with Ryan Day again Wednesday evening. And then we'll be at the Woody just searching for injured players to see who looks like they practice, who looks like they didn't, who might have a wrap on something, who might have an air cast on something, all types of stuff. 614. 350-3315. Two-week free trial, $399 after that. All that information going to your phone first before we literally do anything else with it. And then we do a bunch of other stuff with it too, but it goes to your phone first. Sign up for the text. For Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.